Hey, man, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl. Howdy, my rabbies, and welcome to the Badam Chain with Carl, man. However you found us, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, you're in the right place, man. If it's your first time joining us, absolutely welcome, man. For all my boys and girls out there that uh been digging on this thing the whole time, let's keep on trucking, baby. I know you love it. <laughs> oh, man, this uh, episode this week is a little late. I apologize to all my rowdies out there, but uh I did a live podcast last night. And I uh, should have known better because the name of it is called Drunken Comedians. And uh, good thing I took a lift. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so, man, I'm just trying to uh, crawl back into uh, uh, trying to get back to normal, as old Dimebag Daryl used to say. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to welcome myself back, man, to life. <laughs> that was a good time, man. And uh, check them out. Uh, they got like... I think I was in episode 80, and it should be released very soon. So, boom, Drunken Comedians. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a young man's game. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, see, so you guys don't, if you guys don't know, uh, I actually don't have commercials or anything like that on the podcast. So, check this out. I'm going to make my own right now. <clears throat> so, here we go. Friday, July 16th. At 7 p.m., Carl Roberts III presents The Good, The Rad, and The Funny, A Comedy Showcase. We're going to be down at uh, Eastwood Deli over in wonderful East Nashville. And uh, Alex, uh, the owner of the deli, has been so gracious to reopen the doors at 6 p.m. Featuring full menu and beer. And the comedy's going to start rolling at 7 p.m. Got a banger line up. All Nashville comedians. And if you're familiar with this podcast, all guests on the Badum Ching with Carl. We got the mighty Mark Anunson, Sean Parrott, Joshua Lewis, the big dog, Evan Norman, Jessica Carter, and my man Corey Perry. Come on down. It's going to be a, a heck of a time, man. $12 at the door, but pre-sales are available right now. Can I talk? Pre-sales are available right now. Uh, for $7 at brownpapertickets.com. Boom. There it is. Commercial's over. Appreciate it, man. You guys ready to get into it? I sure am, man. My guest this week is a good friend of mine, former Nashville comedian, but always a comedian, Narado Moore. That's Rod, man. Rod for short. Rod's a good dude, man. He's always been great to me. Uh, haven't seen him in a while. But uh, I actually did his podcast uh, months ago, about six or seven months ago. What month is this? Anyway, <laughs> it was a good time, man. Uh, Uncle Rod's Story Corner. That's right. So uh, having him on the Badumching is a long time overdue. And what follows, again, I say this a lot, but it's true. It's a great conversation. I really enjoy talking to Rod, man, and uh, enjoy his comedy. Most people... I think everybody I talk to don't have a bad thing to say about this man. So far. <laughs> no, it's fun, man. So check it out. And let's get into it, man. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Narado Moore. 
And the weirdest place I've ever eaten pussy is a Crystal's drive-thru. <laughs> What's going on, man? I'm cooling, bro. What's going down? <laughs> I, th- I think I'm good, man. I just got off work, you know, just uh, grinding, grinding all day. You know, like I- I'm really happy uh, you're able to do it now. I got to go to the comedy bar when we're done, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Try to entertain the downtown people, you know. Shout out to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what they call it? The bar. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you know, like I have a feeling like anytime we go to any place, it's the comedy bar, you know? You know, for real, man. <laughs> What's been going on, man? Like, I, you, we were talking earlier that you'd uh, come in into town past couple weeks, little pop-ups. Yeah, man, finally, you know, I haven't been able to get into Nashville since the pandemic started. Yeah, Like, I left in January of 2020, and I was coming back after, like, a week or two, and then, you know, boom. <laughs> oh, my God. That's it. Ended up stuck in Vegas, Birmingham. Right. But it's been cool, man. You know, I started doing, you know, my podcast, Uncle Rod Story Corner, and then started doing the podcast with uh, Roy Wood Jr., the Roy's job fair and you know it sustained me man they both been rolling along for like a year now coming up and uh and I'm back going back on stage now you know fully vexed started taking the vaccine for a walk in, in the beginning of May and uh been performing steady ever since man how'd that feel man like coming back after so long all that time off you know felt great honestly man like i i didn't know how much i missed it until i was out in it mm-hmm. because i didn't really miss doing things during the pandemic because i felt like i was doing the right thing sure so i didn't i never really felt like i missed it and but then when i got out there and i finally saw everybody for the first time in the, over a fucking year <laughs> it was crazy because I hadn't been on stage since February 1st of right. 2020. And, and, and there's so many of us that have that uh, almost the exact same arc, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, like a family reunion, maybe. I don't know. It or, was, or, man. It's like I a family reunion. 
it's like a it's like a family reunion and a rebirth for everybody at the same time, you know. Yeah, it was it was wonderful, man. Like I mean, I hadn't seen any of those comics, none of those people in 15 months when I got out in May. First week, I think I'm gonna do my first show May 7th. Where'd you do it at? Uh this brewery in Birmingham called Good People. Oh man, good people. And yes. they were talking my language, man. They they gave me a, a, a hat up at the pub like that I wore for a long time is just said muchacho, you know. Mm-hmm. I had somebody That's offer a good fucking beer. <laughs> it's a good and, and it's a great hat. <laughs> Dude, I had somebody offer me a hundred dollars for that hat one day and I turned it down. That's how much I love that hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I don't even wear it anymore. Got some, got some nice shit in there, man. Yeah, good people. That's cool, man. How is the uh, uh, Birmingham scene, Rod? It's rolling on along, man. It's it's come back real strong since since the pandemic is you know not ended, but the the worst part of it has been over. And yeah, it's it's coming back on strong, man. Uh, a couple people rebooting their shows. Um, and it's 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 nice, so I'm excited about it. You got a couple open mics open. Good. Yeah, so it's cool, man. Showcases the open mics is back. Comedy's back. Comedy is back, baby. You know, yeah. and, and and it's a resurgence. You know, like it's uh, yeah, I can't get enough of it, man. Just being out, I'm, I'm addicted. You know, I can't not do it, man. Like I got to see my people. You know, like every night now. So it's the shit. It's a thing for me, man. Like I didn't realize how much I was taking it for granted. And then, you know, if you take it away right. <laughs> for a year and a half, you know, maybe, maybe some people don't come back, but man, I, I tell you, man, I was chomping at the bit. Now I'm not, not taking it for granted anymore, man. Like I just got to be around it and I got to be around y'all. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm most excited to see. Like who, who comes back, who quits and what, what audiences are going to be like and what, and what I've noticed is that the audiences are very appreciative to, to be able to go back out mm-hmm. and see things in, in person again. I've done three shows now and I got another one coming up this, this Friday and uh, all the audiences have been fucking great. You know, that's like, that's really the biggest barometer between whether you have a good set or not. It's not necessarily how you perform, but a lot of times it's it's what type of audience is it? Yeah. If you get an audience that really loves comedy and is there to have a good time, it's like you're guaranteed to have a good set. You know, like it's funny. Uh, I was talking with uh, uh, Josh Lewis, Sean Parrott last night. We were eating uh, our traditional meal before Ultimate Comedy, you know, but like we brought up that audience thing. And like, I think that I think Josh mentioned it, like the Herm has a bit where he like uh, says the audience, the audience is bombing, you know, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he just calls him out. It's like, you're bombing as an audience, you know, <laughs> and, like, it's true. Like I'm, I'll never call out an audience for like, you know, blame the audience for, for my set or anything like that. But yeah, sometimes you just get those that just stare at you and, and not just you, but the, everybody, you know, and it's like, yeah. why, do you, why do you even come? You know, it's <laughs> like you're performing in a place that's not supposed to be comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and, it's like you're standing in the middle of a hospital waiting room doing stand-up. And I, I get it, man. I get it when you're when you're doing when you're doing pop-up shows in places that that they ain't used to. You know what I mean? It's kind of like we're yeah. encroaching on that. But like when you're coming to the East Room on Tuesdays, you're coming specifically for open mic. 
Right. You know, it's like, what are y'all doing, man? Like, <laughs> you just there's stare. nothing. There's nothing weird in, in performing for an audience that seems like they they wanted to see a basketball game. Like, well, you're in the wrong fucking place. Yeah. It clearly says comedy show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now <laughs> like, I get, I get where's it. the basketball? I like, don't see any goals. Like we're here to do stand-up ladies. Yeah, we're dude. not here to do fucking basketball. Like I I get it if, if we brought our speakers and stuff to a gym, you know, it's like <laughs> but come on, dude. Like it's basic. Just be a, be an audience. But I, I see that too, man. Like in, in some of the audience, like some of them are still like kind of really weirded out about like uh getting reacclimated into like society. You know, right. so it's almost like some of them kind of forgot how to act. Maybe I don't know. Like I mean, I mean, that can be true. That's true. It's it's taking some getting used to. The 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 I guess like the the outer parts of it, like the stand up part, it's cool. It's it's easy to fall back into hanging out with your friends and doing stand up. But yeah, like when you're just talking to random people. It feels weird because I haven't talked to random people in over a year. Yeah. So it's strange to just be chatting it up with people. But it feels wonderful. Yeah, I'm about to say. It. Yeah, about to say. I'm, yeah, glad, yeah. I'm glad it's back. Speaking of, of your podcast, man, like uh, Uncle Rod's Story Corner, man, like I had such a fun time doing that with you, dude. And I can't remember a bit of it. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. remember, I remember a general feeling of, man, I'm having fun. Yeah, I, I, I like the setup where you're like, hey, man, we're going to do this podcast, but I'm going to need you to have some drinks. It's like, yeah, wow, man. Let's see what that's, I can do. That's what, that's what the story corner is all about, man. It's <laughs> about showing people like how comics talk when they're not on stage, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just let's get some drinks, man. If you want to smoke some weed, that's cool. Like, whatever you want to do, man. And let's just chat about whatever the fuck comes up. Just like we do in real life, you know, exactly. It's, it's in like between pe- shows, you know, out after shows, before shows, at the house, just on the phone. That's how we do it. It's just like a, <laughs> a, a peek behind the curtain, you know. Yeah, it's always a good time. That's the best part. I think that's probably probably the most addictive part about comedy is that it's always a good time when you're talking to comics no matter when or where, you know what I'm saying? It's always a real good hang when there's at least two comics together. <laughs> yeah, I, I think some of my favorite uh, comics, they they all have that in common. They love the hang, you know? It's so like, good. Like almost more than performing, you know? It's just like, I'm just going to come see my people, you know? Like Aaron yeah. Weber, Aaron Weber is so good about just coming to support and coming to hang, you know what I mean? Like even if he's not up on something, man, he just got to be around it, you know? Yeah, like and, that's, and, and he's just that's such a fan. Do. He's just such a fan of comedy and and the people. You know, it's like yeah, doesn't matter if he's going up or not. You know, I guess. Yeah, those are always usually the best comics are the ones who just like to be around it because because you build real friendships with these people, and so yeah, the camaraderie and love and comedy like it's just a perfect combination. It's just like I'm not on the show tonight, but I'm gonna go to a show. Right. And just hang out. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's uh, what you do. I talk to other people, you know, they're like, oh, I'll never uh, go to a show if I'm not on it. I was like, well, okay, well, you're missing out on. <laughs> yeah, those are, on, those on are a the lot, bastards. Yeah. Those are the bastards of comedy right there. <laughs> those people aren't any fun to be around. <laughs> and they're usually not good comics. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the truth. There was there was this weird girl when I first started doing comedy. I experienced something like that. There was this there was this girl who used to come do comedy. She used to come to our Monday night open mic, right? She would literally come every week. And she'd bring her mom and a camera. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really talk to us before she got on stage or after she got off stage. She would show up, her and her mom would set the camera up, and then they'd just sit at a table and talk to each other. Then the girl would perform, her mom would record it, and as soon as she came off stage, they would go get in the car and fucking leave. And mm-hmm. I've never seen that girl perform anywhere else that wasn't that Monday night open mic. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like, what in the fuck is this? Right, right. <laughs> like, where, where, where are they sending these videos, you know? <laughs> it was so weird. It was like she was Jane Goodall studying comics like apes. Like, yeah. that's all she did. I swear to God. And yeah. she did this for about the first three years I did comedy. Never saw that girl perform anywhere else, whether it was a showcase or an open mic. She just came on Mondays with her mom, recorded her set, and then they left. Wow. It's so fucking weird. Wow. Did, uh, <laughs> is the mic still there, or did, did she leave when the mic left? <laughs> She the mic's still there. She left okay. after those after those three years. Okay. She stopped coming. And I don't know if she moved, if she still does comedy. Don't know anything about that girl. Don't even remember her name. Yeah. I just know her, her mom came every Monday night, recorded the set, and walked out. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so fucking weird. <laughs> like they needed they needed like proof that, you know, like we were here at this time, you know. Yeah, like an alibi or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was doing her PhD thesis on fucking stand-up comedy. <laughs> it was so weird, man. I'll never forget that shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Rob, I can't remember if you told me or not, man. Like, uh, where did you start? Did you start doing comedy in Birmingham? Yeah, I started doing comedy in Birmingham back in 2009, man. What, uh, uh, by, what? by happenstance. That's what I'm about to ask. All right, yeah, get into it, man. <laughs> so, so here's what happened. Um, me, me, and my old best friend from high school, a uh, guy named Eric Johnson, we lost touch after high school, right? And a couple years later, uh, we hooked back up, and in that time. Uh, I, I remember I had heard that he was doing stand-up. So he was doing stand-up in the years when we weren't talking. But mm-hmm. by the time we hooked back up, about seven years after high school, he wasn't he wasn't performing anymore. And the year, a couple years before that, I worked at Ruby Tuesday. And I became friends with this guy named Zach Caradine. So in February 2009, me and my girlfriend at the time went to Olive Garden mm. for Valentine's Day. That's fancy, Rob. And I was super fancy. You know what right. I'm saying? I'm talking about bottomless breadsticks, you yes. know? Yes. High end. Yes. <laughs> and Zach turned out to be our waiter. And he told me that he also waited tables at the, the Stardome, the comedy club in Birmingham. And he was like, I'm doing stand up now. And he told me about their open mic. And I was like, cool. I'll, I'll come check you out one night. So we get to, this was February. So in May, uh, Eric told me that he wanted to start doing stand-up again, but he didn't know where to go in Birmingham to do that. And I was like, well, 
a guy just told me about an open mic recently. We'll go down there and holler at him. So me and Eric went down to the open mic and met up with Zach. And uh, he performed for the first time in years that night. So they were both telling me that, like, you know, you're funny. You should try this. And <laughs> I live enough. I had spent my whole life here and I was funny. And I was also spent my whole life obsessed with comedy. I listened to everybody's albums. I watched everybody's specials, all the movies, always loved comedy. Never yeah. once thought about doing it. Mm-hmm. So they were like, you're funny. You should, you should do this. And I was like, cool. Uh, I'll try it out. I'll, I'll write something and I'll come back next week. And sure enough, I wrote something, uh, went back the next week killed it and i've been doing it ever fucking since <laughs> <laughs> so you were in it from the get-go man yeah wow man and that's how i started i never had any intention of starting to do comedy ain't that wild like you were such a fan of it and everybody's telling you you're funny but you it never came together not, for you i swear to god dude not once time did i ever think i love comedy i'm funny i should be a comedian <laughs> never thought about doing the show yeah and now I can't get enough. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> years later, you know. So, uh, at what point did you uh, bring it to Nashville, man? I moved to Nashville in 2014. Okay. Um, I kind of treated comedy like college, mm-hmm. and after I had been doing it for four years, I said that I was going to move. Okay. And I was really going to try to do it. And oddly enough, uh, the only reason I started taking stand-up seriously was because of Roy Wood Jr. Mm. Shout out to Roy. Like, yeah, yeah. we've been friends since I first started doing comedy. But I didn't start taking it seriously to 2011 when Roy came to a show we did one time because he would always come hang out if he was in town. And so one night, you know, I'd been doing it for like two years and I was just doing it just to do it. You know, I loved mm-hmm. it, but I wasn't really trying to do anything with it. I was just doing comedy. And one night we're performing Royce there. And every time a comic came off stage, Roy was sitting at the bar. And every time somebody came off stage, Roy would kind of give them some pointers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then I went up. And when I came off stage, he asked me what I was drinking and, and bought me. He bought me a drink. And it just instantly clicked in my mind at the time. I was like, he didn't, he didn't give me any advice. I must have something here. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so from that point on, I was like, I'm going to really put some effort in this and see what could happen. So 2013 hit, I've been doing it for four years. Like I said, I had the college mentality and I thought, okay, I'm going to move somewhere that has a bigger and more major comedy scene. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I ended up moving to Nashville. What, what had uh, uh, you heard about the Nashville scene at that point? I had not heard anything. <laughs> the reason, the reason I went to Nashville is just because I knew that a, a bigger city would have a bigger, more intricate comedy scene. Sure. And so one of my homegirls was moving and that's kind of how I moved. Like she was living in Oregon at the time and I was telling her about my plan to move in 2014. And she was like, 
do they have what's the comedy scene like in portland mm. because you could just move out here and i was like yeah i was like that works for me because i honestly i didn't care where i moved to i just right. wanted to be somewhere bigger than birmingham scene so i was like cool so yeah i guess that that's that's what i do then i'll move out there with you if i can do comedy in portland mm -hmm. and then her job at the time was kind of it was remote but she worked oh she had went from birmingham to minnesota then from minnesota to oregon so once i made the plan to move to portland she said that she was um she said she was she wanted to put her roots down and she wanted to do it back in the south but not in birmingham and she was like so i'll look at the jobs there and then you tell me which one to be better for your comedy thing because she didn't really care that much and i was like cool so it came down to they had an opening in nashville and opening in atlanta and an opening in charlotte hmm. and because the way birmingham is situated we call we call atlanta birmingham east <laughs> because that's just that's just that's so close to birmingham that you visit there all the time for fun, starting as a child. And then after everybody graduates college from in Birmingham, they just move to Atlanta. So there's like literally tens of thousands of people in Atlanta mm -hmm. from Birmingham. And it's just like, I didn't want to be around. I didn't want to do that. So I was like, well, for me, it's between Nashville and Charlotte, not Atlanta. She was, and she felt the same way. She was like, cool. I don't really want to go to Atlanta either. So she looked at, charlotte and nashville and she chose nashville and that's how we went and went apartment hunting in nashville that's how i ended up in nashville so uh, it was completely by chance uh, only person i knew in nashville was carter glasscock because we because you know he started doing comedy in birmingham that's right so i knew carter and that was it that was the only thing i knew about the nashville comedy scene was that's what carter is <laughs> <laughs> how what was carter like in birmingham man because like i would say i knew him just from nashville when i started doing comedy he had already been doing it for like six years or something you know yeah carter was uh cool you know carter was uh he was still kind of shy mm -hmm. when he first started doing it uh but you know it takes a lot of boldness to get on the stand-up stage so he at least had he got rid of an, enough of his nervousness and anxiety to do stand up. But yeah, Carter was always funny, man. He was always funny, you know, like like he says, uh, you know, himself all the time. He spent his youth as just a fat nerd. Right. Who, you know, was a fantastic musician and, you know, cool enough. And he, he just transitioned that into stand up, man. And stand up was really like as good as Carter is at like cinematic shit and music carter's so good at comedy oh, yeah. so he kind of he kind of hit the ground running man he was so funny did he always he was have always uh, a cool dude did he always have like voices and yeah carter's always been good at that <laughs> yeah like carter really found his own doing stand-up because he's really good at that the acting uh the the joke telling the, his stage presence the voices, the impressions. Carter's great at comedy, man. I mean, that's a good first guy to know, you know, in Nashville, I would think, you know, like, what, yeah. what, was, what was the scene like in 2014, man, when you first got here? In 2014, I actually got to Nashville at the exact time that comedy was taken off in Nashville. Okay. 
when I got to Nashville, uh, that was when the scene was really just like starting to really take off. Like um, Nate Bargatze had just went national and Dusty Slay was taking those first steps to be a national. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I got the time right. He recorded his first album, making that fudge. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and, and, you know, hit it, hit it off with Dusty immediately because he he's also an Alabama boy, right? Um, so yeah, met Dusty, uh, met met Nate, met everybody. It was uh, the scene was cool, man. The scene was rocking. We, but then we when we started doing the Broken Record show, that kind of really that really pushed the Nashville scene over the top. Chad Rodden, uh, like, DJ. Because that first, that first, that first one was uh, the one where we had a lot of inside jokes, making fun of the people from out of town. Because so many people, you know, no, no matter like when you're from the south, everybody thinks you're from the country. Mm. And it doesn't matter what part of the south you're from. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like it's, it's all back little, roads. Yeah, it's all backwoods <laughs> and slow. You know. <laughs> And it's like Nashville is like the furthest thing from the fucking country. Yeah. But in everybody else's eyes, even when people come from other Confederate states, if you're from the South, then you're from the backwoods. And mm-hmm. so we spent, a, we, so we dealt with a lot of attitudes from people from outside of Tennessee and especially from outside of the South who came to do broken record their first year with this, let me show these fucking country bumpkin hicks uh, <laughs> comedy works attitude and we <laughs> fucking blew all their asses off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you mentioned broken record. Uh, cause, uh, uh, talk with Chad uh, pretty frequently and like, just seems like uh, he always has a, a different raw story from a broken record show. <laughs> What's some of your uh, favorite memories of, of doing those shows, man? Man, if you, um, if you can even, if there even is one, because I know it's just, it was a grind and a half, you know. <laughs> it was, it's honestly, man, just uh, the, the comedy summer and boot camp atmosphere of broken record was my favorite thing. Like, right. let, 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 just losing yourself in comedy is, something you don't normally get to do. So being able to perform 24 hours a day with all these extended periods of time and the removal of the pressure of the audience, it's like, it's like doing acid or DMT or some shit for comedy. Remind the people uh, what broken record was, man. Broken record show was uh, us attempting to break the Guinness world record for world's longest stand-up comedy show. <laughs> and the rules were, um, I think at the time we broke the record by like 10 hours. No, not 10. My bad. We, after we started extending it, but we doubled the record. Like the record at the time was like 80 hours and some change. Mm-hmm. And that first year we did like 180 hours oh my God. of comedy. And so the rule is, you know, you do stand up 24 hours a day, um, minimum of 15 minutes set. And there always has to be 10 people in the audience. And we did that shit for a week, man, <laughs> at the fucking East Room. And it's just it's just so different because, you know, most times when you're doing showcases, 
if you're if you're headlining, you'll get normally like it's like between twenty and thirty minutes, right? That a bigger headline show might be forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. But the most you're used to doing is an open mic where you get between five to seven minutes, and being on a book show where at the most you might do twelve. Mm-hmm. So to be in a situation where you're guaranteed to do fifteen minutes is it's a great workout for people who aren't used to doing that long, especially if you're going to do six, seven sets that week. Yeah. And sure. Every time it's 15 minutes, like that's a great workout for you. Um, and then, you know, because we have to fill that time, you would end up doing way more like the time is free. So it's just like, if you ask them, can I do an hour? It's like, yeah, you can do a fucking hour. So, <laughs> and that's some shit you don't get until you get the headline status, you know? So, yeah. And you know me, I that was my first time doing such extended. Like I was doing two and three hour sets. Oh my god! I think the longest that I did was like four and a half hours to like close it out that first year. What are you gonna and do in four and a half hours, man? Uh, just freestyle, just <laughs> just losing yourself in the comedy. Like I said, just seeing where comedy takes you. Yeah. Because when, because normally when you perform, you got to be funny. You know, you're trying to be funny. You're working the material. But when you're in a situation to where there's 10 people in the audience and it's fucking 5, 16 a.m., you don't have to do material. Right. You're just trying to keep everybody around. (laughs) When you get to that point, the thing that Broken Record does for you is it puts you in a situation to where how funny you are doesn't matter. All that matters is that you do your required time. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you can go on stage and it's like you got 45 minutes to do whatever the fuck you want to do. And so you could just go up there and talk to people in the crowd. Or like I said, just freestyle off the dome, especially when you're dealing with the sleep deprivation and constant drinking and smoking like we were. Yeah. Uh, sure. We were out our fucking gourds, man. <laughs> I mean, at one point, I was drinking straight liquor, right? And I was like straight up going to sleep at like 8 a.m. for like an hour-long catnap, basically, and waking up at 9 and just picking up this cup of fucking straight liquor and just going outside and going back to drinking. Like, you just spent all fucking day for a week getting (laughs) high, getting drunk, smoking cigarettes, and doing nothing but comedy. It was fucking amazing. It was like Burning Man for the yucks, you know? <laughs> and it's what it's the greatest experience I've ever had in comedy. And I think everybody needs to experience that because it's just nothing better than that. Flipping uh Chad has been talking about wanting to bring it back, you know, but uh, the big issue being that like, you know, DJ Buckley has a real job now. And so like, he would have to take off two weeks, a week to do a show and a week to recover. And DJ does construction of all the real jobs to have. <laughs> DJ Buckley buckles the clown does fucking construction, and that's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird. It would be like saying it's like if it would be like if The Rock was a fucking senator, you know? Like what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so like, so like, even if you like get him on board to do it. Like, then you got to get the East Room to do it, you know, or like convince them, hey, 
Let's bring it back, you know. Because you know, we did the East Room the first two years, right? And then we did Third Coast Comedy Club the last two years. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was that was just great, man. It's awesome. It's like the coolest shit ever. I remember, you know, our first year, and we were doing it in conjunction with the Wild West Comedy Festival, which became the Nashville Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. But we had Vince Vaughn and, and all these other big comics come through. And they were just amazed, you know what I'm saying? It was so different. It was something that other people weren't doing. Because I think they broke the record for like eight hours in L.A. like years before 2015. Like, mm. it might have been, I don't even think it was in the 2000s. I think it was in like the 90s. So this was something that most people in comedy, whether it's somebody you see at Madison Square Garden or somebody you see locally in Des Moines, like, nobody had seen no shit like that. I remember the first year we had Eric Andre and Hannibal Burge come through. That's what I heard, man. Yeah. And we were standing outside just talking with them, just smoking in the alley of the East Room like you do. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, Eric Andre and Hannibal, like, being out there just blown the fuck away by what the fuck we were doing. It was like, this is the craziest, most awesome shit I've ever seen in my life. Did, uh, <laughs> did, 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 did they do time? Yeah, they did. <laughs> Oh, they all did time. Uh, yeah, awesome. him, fucking uh, Rory Scoble, Nate Bargatze, um, Ahmed Ahmed, fucking uh, Joe DeRosa came through and did like an hour and a half. Like, yeah, it was it was humping, man. It was it was the shit. You know, I'd missed fucking awesome. I'd missed it, man. I, I started like right after the last one. You know, mm-hmm. which yeah, for I guess good or worse. <laughs> I mean, we gotta we gotta bring it back just because comedy's been canceled for fucking over a year. Like right. that's the only that's the only way to make up all the time we lost. That's true. Is a fucking eight day, twenty four hour marathon of comedy. That's right. That's right. I know Chad's like <laughs> he, he talks about it more and more, man. I think he's it's really in his mind. So like, hopefully I'll hear this. I'm like, yeah, I gotta do it. Listen yeah, to us, Chad. Would, bring I it back, Tom. <laughs> Spring. Spring, summer, or fall of 2022, we can't let that go by. Right. With and I'm I'm willing to do whatever it takes to to help bring that shit back. Like, even if it means throwing in my own money, like saving up, like I'm trying to buy a house just to help get a couple thousand bucks into <laughs> broker. Like I don't care. Like we need that shit. Comedy needs that. Yeah, you're right. It's awesome because so many people got their start doing that because you know like the criteria for that is you have to have done like 20 like paid gigs or whatever to kind of qualify as a professional comedian Mm. for the guinness people and it's like so a lot of people who hadn't who hadn't had the required time would come and work as volunteers and like timekeepers and shit like that's where i met mel hyde and jasper d platt Okay. They were volunteering in 2018 at the last broken record because you know they hadn't done enough time to be on the show. I guess they were there in the fucking mix, man. That's how they are. That's how I met them. It was it was awesome. I remember roasting the shit out of Mel's dog one night. (laughs) (laughs) She had this she had this little ugly dog that looked like a fucking fucking bat that didn't have wings. That's the one she would bring on stage. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I roasted the fuck out of that dog one day. It was like, fucking, <laughs> it was like six, seven o'clock in the morning. I spent like an hour roasting that ugly dog. <laughs> <laughs> you did an hour dog chunk, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
motherfucker just roasting the shit out of that dog. <laughs> <laughs> like Jeff roasting a pet smart. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just roasting that little ugly ass dog. <laughs> <laughs> you ever done uh, like just roast battles, stuff like that? I don't, I don't like roast battles. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I think it's kind of a cultural thing. Like, as a, as a person who was raised uh, from a predominantly black family, mm-hmm. <laughs> I grew up roast battling. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's just something you did in school to pass the time as a kid. And so now in comedy is presented like it's this new fucking idea you know what i'm saying like look at what we came up with in 2017 like it's the roast battle it's oh, all yeah, new yeah. and it's like this is what every child does on the playground in elementary and middle oh school. man so many your mama jokes you know and so like i find this shit i think that shit kind of corny especially because it's not like it's not freestyled I don't like that. Like, you know, like, cause like, because I've participated in a roast battle before and it was just like, all the jokes were like pre-written and shit. Like they tell you oh, yeah. you're roasting. Yeah. That's kind of, it's and, kind of a rule. And I, I was think, just right? like, man, that's not how, what play, we supposed to do this shit. Playground rules, man. Like you supposed to be roasting this motherfucker off the top of the head. Well, it's like that, <laughs> that show that they put on in Memphis, right? The You Look Like show. You look I, like, yeah, I did I did that show. I hear that, I heard about that, man. It sounds so fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Yeah. It was a fun time. But it's just, it's just one of those things that, you know, when you figure out what's for you and what's not. Uh, you know, I did You Look Like and I, and I had a ball. And I encourage anybody to go. It's a great show. Everybody should do it. What's her name? Even if, especially if you never tried it. What's her uh, name? Katrina, that Katrina Coleman. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, please do you look like. I wouldn't do it again, but it's not because the show sucks. Right, right, right. It's just because I'm not, I don't like roast battles. I've never done a roast battle. And in fact, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret here. I mean, Evan's been talking about uh, our next Two Chong show. We're going to call mm-hmm. it, we're going to call it Two Chongs, or <laughs> we're kicking it around. Uh, <laughs> we're going to call it Two Chongs Make a Pot Roast. But it's not a but but it's not a roast battle. Like I think what we're is, I think we're, I think we're gonna cook a pot roast and then like <laughs> have a pot roast at the thing and we're like well, you guys thought it was a roast battle? It's like no, we've made a pot roast. But, it's just but, a regular comedy show, but there's a crock pot. In yeah, the corner yeah, of the but stage. but only for me and Evan. But we only made enough for me and him. <laughs> Yeah, I so like, like I think everybody's gonna think it's a roast <laughs> battle, but it's not. It's just yeah. a regular show, <laughs> showcase. Because like some people just don't participate. Like I remember when Sean Parrott started roast the host, roast the host, yeah. And I remember going to that one night, and like nobody was actually roasting Sean. Yeah, right. They were just doing material, and I was like, "This is lame." I was like, "Y'all supposed to be roasting Sean's ass to sleep right now." That's the whole point of this show. And I made sure when I got on this stage, I didn't even talk to the audience. I walked okay. to the side of the stage where Sean was sitting and I roasted his ass for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me the light. You just threw it away. You know, <laughs> it's like, this is what this show is for. It's called roast the host. It's not called open mic night. To, to this day, to this day, most people don't, don't roast Sean, you know, they will because, not because he's such a good boy. I don't know. They're like, oh, I, I can't roast him. Roast I will roast the <laughs> fuck 
out of his hipster Heinrich Hamler looking ass. There it is. Got him. Got his ass. <laughs> you know, you know what's fun is uh uh Sean schedules <laughs> Sean schedules a little screwy now. So uh, the mighty Mark Anunson has been uh uh doing roast the host. And so like I, I changed it in uh in honor of Mark. I, I called it toast the host and I just gave him compliments. <laughs> that's hilarious. Nobody liked it, but you know he liked it. So that's funny. I like it. That's yeah. funny. That's fucking hilarious. This <laughs> is like you're a beautiful man. <laughs> penis, Too many people forget that the your penis the, the is very goofiness. Uh, yeah, man. You like, gotta be goofy up there, man. Roast his ass and toast his ass. That's funny. <laughs> All right, man, I got to ask you, because I, I, I'd heard stories about this, too, uh, and I wasn't there until after you moved out. But I heard you were in the famous comedy trailer there for a while with oh, buddy. Carter Glasscock, uh, Gabe Ashley and uh, Josh and Nicola. Am I correct? And Rob Haynes. And Rob man. Haynes. Please, please don't forget about hot sauce. Dang Shout it. out to the sauce. What am I doing? OK, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. I still got my key. To that place, like that's how much I that's how much I love that place. I didn't turn my key in. Yeah, like and we had some classic fucking times. Do you remember any of them? In that goddamn trailer, I remember all of them. <laughs> I remember all of them, man. Anything like, stick out? Stick out to you, man? I mean, porch time. Yeah, that was when we were porching it, man. It was going down. We would sit out on that fucking porch any time of day or night and just playing like our next move. We'd be out there with a fucking case of PBRs, got the tall boys going, a couple bowls smoking, cigarettes. I mean, we had a, <laughs> there's a trash can on that porch. It was two of them that were just, cause no matter how often they were dumped. They always seem to be filled to the brim with <laughs> fucking beer cans and beer bottles <laughs> and old cigarettes. Yeah, man. It was a it was a wild time, man. That tra- it was like the nicest trailer in history. That thing was probably about thirty five hundred square feet. It was big, man. Like it was like, so fucking big. <laughs> it certainly wasn't nice by the time I, I started hanging out there. I, I was hanging out around the time. <laughs> Everybody was moving out. But, I think uh, it was the. I think the trailer <laughs> was the display model. Really? And then the funding ran out, so they couldn't make none of the rest of the trailers look like that. Oh, like that funny. trailer. That trailer was the one to get people to to buy a trailer there, <laughs> and then they show up and just get this piece of shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like cause, the like, old the bait trailer, and switch. Yeah, because yeah, like this trailer, it was like it had a it had a master bath. It had two bathrooms. You know, one of them had a separate shower with a fucking whirlpool tub on the other side. Mm. And it had had two porches. There were two decks on it. There was like not one deck on any of the other trailers in there. (laughs) Um, It was the only one that looked like a house. Like all the rest of the trailers looked like they were supposed to be hooked up to the back of a fucking truck. (laughs) I I don't know how it happened, but yeah. That trailer was like the Nashville comedy fucking parties. It was the hang, right? It was the hang. So much, man. Uh, fucking there were fights in there. <laughs> fucking uh, people getting too drunk and pissing on couches. A lot happened in that trailer, man. <laughs> so much sex. <laughs> There's a lot of sucking and fucking. 
and hanging and partying and uh it was a good damn time man it was one of the it was one of the the best times of my life and people are always shocked their first time going because whenever you say trailer Mm -hmm. you know people already have an idea in their head what it is and then they get there and it's really just like a fucking one story fucking ranch house it was huge man I, yeah, it was, it was, it, yeah. I wonder who's living in it now. <laughs> I know because, because I still got my key. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll let's find drop, out. I always <laughs> want to just drop back by there. Like, Hey, what's up, man? You know, you used to, used to live here for a minute. I got um, a feeling. I got a feeling that key would probably still work. Don't you? Yeah. I'm sure they didn't change the locks, <laughs> but let me show you, let me show you how you're supposed to be using this trailer. <laughs> Right, right. Let me show you what happened over here. <laughs> it's party time. Yeah. If those fucking walls could talk, buddy, dude, like that, you can't beat it, man. Like, and y'all, y'all all were doing comedy at one point too, right? So y'all like, yeah, together, man. You know, it's amazing. Yeah, that's all it was, man. It was like a, it was like a, like a comedy commune almost. Yes. Yes, you know, like, it's like that's the place to go before comedy, after comedy, during comedy. That's the one thing that never happened. There was a comedy show. Yeah, ain't that oddly enough? Right? Yeah, yeah, because it was already a show. Yeah, yeah. But it was a great time, man. You know, yeah. Those, new, those new Year's parties were the shit. I've been fortunate, you know, to live with some of these, you know, comics around here. You know, and it's just like, yeah, it's hard to beat that hang. You know. It was so good. Just per- a permanent hang, man. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. You're right. Yeah, never stopped. a permanent hang. We would sit. We, it was like for some reason, it seemed like the wind was always blowing when we were on that porch, man. It felt like we lived at the beach. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was always a nice breeze blowing on that part of Dickerson Pike. <laughs> <laughs> you found the cool part of Dickerson, man. <laughs> yeah, we found it. The trop. We found the tropical section. <laughs> one little block it was very tropical right out there next to all the prostitutes ah, <laughs> the good old days you know. yeah he used oh. to wake up he used to wake up every day walk over to the bodega at the end of the corner mm. get a pound of chorizo and fucking and then Gabe would chef up these fucking amazing chorizo onion and cheese omelets and then we start drinking (laughs) (laughs) just the day had begun man yeah they had fucking begun got all these romanticized (laughs) stories man making everybody like uh you know clamor for the good old days man sounds like a fun time between all that you know like Broken record, you know, like the nonstop party, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm so that's why I'm so glad comedy's back so we can get back to that shit, man. Cause there's no there's no better life than being a comedian, man. Mm. It's fucking wonderful. It's amazing. The stories you get, the stories you can tell, the stories you can't tell. It's just always something. It's always something. Was there was there a point for you? Uh, there was always a point of contention for me to like, not just tell other people, but mainly tell myself that oh, I'm a comedian, you know. And and, and I think it was Chance Willie that said he was battling that, but he said ultimately he said, had to stop and say no, you're a comedian, 
This is what you're doing. You're living it. You're writing. You're a comedian. Until he pointed at me and said, so are you. You know, and so like, it's just, was there ever like a, a, a point in time for you, Rob, where you're like, oh, I'm a comedian? Um, or did you ever have to make that thing? You know, I never, me? I never really had to make that kind of distinction because when I look back on it, it's like I was always meant to be a comedian because mm. I always had those stories. I've been making those kind of stories my whole life, and so it's like if I wasn't a comedian then they wouldn't, they wouldn't get told as much to so many different people. I wouldn't have to recall them so much, but like, like the story, like one, one of the stories I often think back on, that's like, makes me think I was always meant to be a comedian was like one time in college, <laughs> this was when uh, the folks, the good people at KY jelly, <laughs> <laughs> the good people at KY jelly had just created their warming sensation uh lube and so me and my girlfriend at the time we were gonna try it out and like i kind of surprised her with it so i had my bed i had like a dresser next to my bed so so one night we get we were getting ready to go at it and i was like i got this new stuff to try out and i and i hit her with the warming sensations that she likes it you know mm. it was cool it was a fun time so we kind of landed in the afterglow of the first time and she was like she was like i want to i want to do it again and i was like cool uh, reach over and you know grab that grab that warming sensations slather it on and let's do it so so she lubes up and she was like this stuff is tingling and I was like yeah that's that's what it's supposed to do she's like no it's really burning and then this light went off of my head and I was like pass me the bottle that you just used and so she passes me the bottle. I turn on the light. I look down in my hand, and I'm holding a bottle of Germex hand sanitizer. Oh my god, man! <laughs> <laughs> I just start dying laughing. She jumps up. She runs in the bathroom. She sits on the toilet, pouring cold cups of water on her pussy. <laughs> and I just remember yelling into the bathroom. I was like, "Well." We'll have to worry about any STDs tonight because there's nothing still alive in that pussy. <laughs> and, and that was just a story, you know? It was just a story for her, me and her. It was just a story to tell people socially. Right. But, you know, but then I think about it and, like, I can tell that story on stage now or, like, do it on this podcast. And it's like, yeah, like, that's the type of life you live that makes you become a comedian. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's what a comic's life is like. Like, I was supposed to be doing comedy. That makes sense. Because there's no other reason for me to have those kind of stories about the shit of bitches with the world <laughs> for a good fucking laugh, man. Like, <laughs> I've been I've been living that way my whole life, man. Like, like I said, high school, college, middle school, everything. Like, just... Insane stories, insane shit that it's like it only happens if you're supposed to be a comedian, mm. man. That's the type of shit. That's the type of shit I've been doing my whole life. And it's like, yeah, you're supposed to do comedy when that's the type of life you live. Because that's the type of life that comedy pushes you into. 
So true. for me, I never really had to stop to think you're a comedian and mm. you're living it and this and that because I've always been like a live. The difference yeah. between my life doing comedy and my life not doing comedy is that I do comedy. Right. Everything else is exactly the fucking same. <laughs> right. right. You know, I tell people all the time, I was like, the only difference between a, a, a comic and not a comic is this. And I show them the book. You know, I was like, you just write it down. <laughs> you know, <That's> it. <laughs> I go on stage and talk about it. But yeah. if I didn't do it, if I wasn't doing that, I'd just be a funny dude at whatever my job was. Yeah. That's the life I've always been living. But that, that, that's a completely different muscle, though, too. You you know that, you know, like like the funny, the funniest guy from work isn't necessarily going to be any good at stand up. You know what I mean? No, no, not at all. It takes, <laughs> it takes a lot. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the thing that people don't realize until they try is how much skill is involved in it. That's like I think most people don't realize that like comedy is like it's the hardest art to perform. And I don't say that because I'm a comedian. It's just that the difference between comedy and everything else is that it's only you in comedy. You can't hide behind anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like you do music. So, you know, like if you're in a band, you know, the lead singer can carry everybody for the night. The drummer can carry everybody. The guitarist can camp. You know what I'm saying? You fucking up can be covered up by some other shit. Exactly. When you're doing comedy, you fuck up. It's just your ass. You just got to sit in it. Yep. You cannot hide behind the material can't be strong enough to cover up that you suck. You know, your stage presence can't do enough. Your outfit. If you suck at comedy, your ass is going to have to sit there and realize you suck. And that's why I think a lot of people, their only line of defense is to blame the audience, which I've always said personally, like, I'll never do. You can't do that. I get it, man, because you can't blame anybody else. You, you don't. I always blame myself. I'm like, OK, it didn't work. Then I always get to laugh, you know, like way better than that, that type of embarrassment is too. That's too hard a situation for a lot of people to take. Yeah. To know that everybody's looking at them and thinking they suck. Right. But, you know, even still like at these weird mics, you know, like. Uh, people will say you guys suck and the audience laughs, you know, so like, yeah, who knows? You know, maybe they do suck. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah. But yeah, you can't, there's no hiding in comedy, man. When you, when you fuck it up on the comedy stage, you know, it's you fuck it up. Yeah. And the audience knows it's you fucking up. So comedy's hard as fuck, man. It takes a lot of balls to get up there night after night. A that's lot of courage, because if you, you suck, yeah. you gonna have to eat that shit. <laughs> 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 and most people don't experience that shit in their jobs, you know. Yeah, right. Somebody can pick up the slack on a project at another job. You can pretend to be working at some jobs. You can't do that shit in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just your ass standing in the spotlight, butt yeah. fucking naked before the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and we love it. <laughs> ain't nothing better. You're right. <laughs> ain't nothing better. If you can take, if you can take that heat, you can take anything. <laughs> I think that's true, man. Like, yeah, I I stand behind that statement for sure, man. Like Rob, Rob, man. Like uh, you mentioned, you got some gigs, man. Like, uh, tell people like what you got coming up, man. July second. I'm in Macon, Georgia. I'm in Macon, Georgia, man. At uh. Let me look up the name of this place. It's sure, a Cajun. It's a Cajun restaurant. Parish. Yeah, I'm at Parish on Cherry. You can listen to me on my podcast, 
Uncle Rod's Story Corner. You can listen to me on Roy Wood Jr.'s podcast, Roy's Job Fair. It's, a, you know, both those shows are a real good time, man. And you're listening to me now on the Badum Chain with OCR3Z. <laughs> and you can see me performing around Nashville, Birmingham, Georgia, just around the South in general, the Midwest. Check your boy out. Follow me on Twitter at Rod for short, R-O-D, the number four, S-H-O-R-T. Same thing on Instagram or Narado Moore on Facebook. And Twitter, too. Still Rod for short, right? Yeah, Rod for short on Twitter and Instagram. Narado Moore on Facebook, man. Got him. Holler at me. That's what I'm talking about. Rod, I ain't going to keep you much longer. I, I want to ask you one question. I've been doing this lately. Uh, if you had a uh, like a Mount Rushmore of comics. Uh-huh. Who's who would be on your Mount Rushmore of of comedy? My my personal Mount Rushmore of comedy. I would have to go with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, and then that's just for comedy in general. My that my next two would have to be on a, on a very personal tip would be Jim Gaffigan and Corey Holcomb. And I say Jim Gaffigan and Corey Holcomb because those are the first comics I ever saw that I laughed at everything they said. Nice. I had never experienced that before, but the first time I saw Corey Holcomb, he was on comic view mm-hmm. one time in the nineties and laughed at his entire set uproariously. And the first time I saw Jim Gaffigan was his his uh, Comedy Central Presents. Around the same time, I think it might have been 99, 2000, uh, Jim Gaffigan's and uh, died laughing at the entire fucking 30 minutes. It was so funny. Nice. So that, that'll be my Mount Rushmore, man. And I got to applaud you, man. You, you're like one of the only comics that... Uh, Knew there were four people on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> That's that Birmingham school, uh, though. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, we're not we're not all stupid idiots. <laughs> oh, we're all backwoods, y'all. We're all backwoods, dude. Uh, <laughs> we don't not, know. What we're not, doing. not not all comics are dumbasses. <laughs> not, not all comics are socially inept. And not all comics are romantically inept or ugly, but most of them are. That's I gotta true. say that most yeah. of them are. On that note, man, Rod, appreciate you hanging out, man. And uh, I'll see you next time you're around, dog. Yeah, bro, anytime. Let me get in on that pot roast show. <laughs> I, 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 I want to watch y'all eat that pot roast in front of everybody. <laughs> see you later, dude. Yeah. <laughs> there it was guys another episode in the bag man appreciate narado for hanging out with us and i always appreciate you for hanging out with the badum ching with carl now on apple Podcasts, spotify our heart radio uh just all over the internet do a google search <laughs> reminder to tell your friends tell your foes tell your neighbors tell your bros you thought i was gonna say the h word i didn't not this week all right 
Uh, plenty more bangers in the future, man. Looking up and up. As always, uh, if you got any questions, concerns, uh, hopefully not any concerns, just questions, or just just give me money. Just send money via email. Can you do that? Anyway, cr3comedy at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on the Instagram at cr3comedy. If you want to follow that, follow my Twitter, same handle. And there's my plug. There's my spiel. I think I'm done. So, ladies and gentlemen, one last thing. Check this out. See you later.